0: I see
1: Thank you, Andrew and Vida. Appreciate it. I'd like to welcome uh, all of you here to the house of the Lord in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've come to worship him and to hear his word. It's already been pointed out to me that the insert is in the hymnal already, so I'll have to pay for the extra paper that we used. I just didn't look. Didn't look. You know, um, just uh, last weekend I was downstairs in our uh, basement, uh, getting some getting some things out, and, and noticed that my uh, the light to the sump pump was blinking. And uh, for those of you who don't have a sump well, uh, the the newer houses, kind of like ours, the water is uh, drained down into this well. Uh, instead, instead of uh, going down around your foundation. And then, uh, but then you have to pump it out. And we're, uh, we found out quickly, uh, very early on, when we bought the house, that we were at the bottom of the hill, and all the water ran down to our yard and uh, to, our, to our sump pump. And so when we had a heavy rain, that, uh, that well was full, to the very top, and the sump pump was running continuously, and I thought, well, this isn't good because our downstairs is finished, so we, we thought i better put in a battery backup because its power goes out. So anyway, I, I, this is years ago. I'd put in the battery backup, and, uh, but the, uh, it was blinking, and I thought, oh, well, so I went and tested It didn't work. Oh, no. And then I tested the the regular one, and it didn't work. So, oh, no, we got, now we got two pumps that aren't working. And uh, this was just last weekend, uh, or maybe the week before, but there was uh, snow out, and I thought, all oh, that snow's going to melt, and then, and then our pump doesn't work. So I quickly quickly fixed those. Fixed those. I went right up to the hardware store and got a new pump and put it in. It's the first time I've had to do this. But... You um, you know you have to you got to be prepared got to be prepared because you don't know when it's going to rain or snow and if you if you put it off then you get a flood in your basement. Uh, there's a, a testimony that I was I had read, but our brother uh, Eddie Butter, Eddie Butterworth, uh, and he was a missionary and I believe this was in the Philippines and. Um, The uh, the saints there uh, had were told prophetically that there was going to be a tsunami, and uh, and so uh, they uh, heeded the warning. Uh, They told all the other saints. They uh, they tried to uh, they told told the government that there was going to be a tsunami. They they told their friends and their neighbors and, and as many people as they could. But uh, as you can imagine, the, the only people that really uh, heeded the, the warning were the saints. And they went up higher. Went up higher, that's what you do for a tsunami. As you know, there's an earthquake and it shifts the water and, and this uh, great wave comes in and, and it, it'll wash inland for sometimes, you know, in a mile or two uh, and wash everything away on the coast. And so they heeded the heated the warning, and they went up to higher ground and uh, and the tsunami came and a lot of people's uh, houses were washed away, and people lost their lives and and uh and some of the people then recalled uh, uh, that hey we we were warned about this and the government found out, and one of the government uh, men. Uh, then called and talked to Eddie Butterworth. And, uh, you know, uh, if you knew about this, why didn't you tell us? And his response was, we did. So, brothers and sisters, if you knew about a perilous event or something that uh, of great importance that was going to happen that uh, the people, people needed to know about, that they needed to prepare for, and you had been given the warning wouldn't you tell your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones? We've been given that warning, brothers and sisters. It's come through prophecy, through many marvelous experiences. And uh, the, Lord, uh, the Lord's coming draws nigh. Have you warned your neighbor? Have you yourself uh, prepared for this time? We'll continue on uh, singing hymn 327 in the gray hymnal, or you can use your insert.
2: Almighty God and eternal Heavenly Father, brightly beams Your mercy. And we would pray, dear Father, that it might beam down upon us this day and open our hearts and our minds to that message that Thou hast for us. And we would especially ask that that might be with our brother Russell, who is to bring the message of the hour, that truly You might uh, use him and His priesthood to bring that message this day. And we would humbly pray for this in the name of our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
3: Good morning. I uh, I really enjoy seeing all of you. Um, even if even if it doesn't seem like uh, you guys bring me joy, some of you I don't talk to, but uh, just watching people interact really brings me joy. Uh, for my offertory uh, remarks, um, I would like to share an experience that I had whenever I worked for Brotherton Masonry. Um, I, I was driving to work one day and um, I, I was driving in Kansas City area and I looked beside me and there was a very nice muscle car and uh, I liked it and I did wish I had it, but um, the thought automatically came into my mind that the lust and the treasures of this world will not last forever. It's only the Word of God that will last forever, and we need to cherish it dearly. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I would ask a blessing over the monies that are given, and I would ask that they would go to uh, the right cause, and that people who handle it will handle it with wisdom, and that you will guide them. And please bless those who give. Please bless those who desire to give but cannot please be with them and please bless them and please help us to be diligent in our our keeping of our monies and our our wisdom and our finances and that we would grow strong together as one and not prideful and i pray these things in jesus christ's most holy and precious name amen
2: My scripture reading today will come from the book of Revelations. We're going to go to the 12th chapter. We're going to read uh, 6 through 12. And there was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought against Michael. And the dragon prevailed not. Against Michael, neither the child or the woman, which was the church of God, who had been delivered of her pains and brought forth the kingdom of God and their Christ. Neither was there found in heaven for the great red dragon who was cast out, that old servant called the devil, and also called Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, "Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God, our God day and night. For they have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their own lives, but kept the testimony even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens!" And ye that dwell in them, and after these things I heard another voice saying, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, yea, and they who dwell upon the islands of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word.
0: night I lay asleep there came a dream so fair I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there I heard the children singing and ever as they sang methought the voice of they an i The little children sang The sun grew dark with mystery The morn was cold and chill As the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill As the shadow the game.
2: Welcome you all in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this day. It's great to see so many here. The smallest congregation I ever spoke to is my wife and my daughter. I had that happen one Sunday, and that's the way it was. And I always felt that no matter how many were there, where two or three are gathered, that you give the sermon. And that's what I did. Most of the congregations that I speak to run around 14, they don't really get this big. I think the only other place I ever spoke that it was this big was uh, in Michigan at uh, Oakwood. And that's the only time. Of course, there was a couple of times at Reunion, I guess, and I'll be talking about a few of those times. I want to talk about a little bit as I prepared for my sermon. Uh, In the last month, I always take my time, but it always seems like you get towards the end and, and you put a lot of things together. And it always seems, and the reason I'm going to talk a little bit about Satan, and I mean a little, I mean a little bit about him is because he influences my life to the point to where he drives me a little nuts. To the point to where he has been at my doorstep for all my life. All my life. This week was no different. As I got ready for this sermon, I found out that my nephew, who had a son, three days later died, it always seems to be that timing. He just pokes at me constantly. And I'm going to share some testimonies. He's been doing this since I was six years old and even before that. But I want to go in and read out of Genesis this time. And we're going to go to the third chapter of Genesis. Genesis. Because it's important, it goes along with my reading out of uh, the book of Revelations. And we're going to go to the third chapter, and we're going to read 1 through 5. And it says, And I, the Lord God, spake unto Moses, saying, That Satan, whom thou hast commanded in the name of my only begotten, is a name which was from the beginning. And he came before me, saying, Behold, I, I send me, I will be thy son." And I will redeem all mankind, that one soul shall not be lost. And surely I will do it. Wherefore, give me thine honor. And behold, my beloved Son, which was my beloved and chosen from the beginning, said unto me, Father, thy will be done, and the glory be thine forever. Wherefore, because that Satan rebelled against me and sought to destroy the agency of men which I, the Lord God, had given him, And also that I should give unto him mine own power, by the power of mine only begotten, I caused that he should be cast down, and he became Satan. Yea, even the devil, the father of all lies, to deceive, and to blind men, and to leave them captive at his will, even as many as would not hearken unto my voice. Those who do not hearken unto the voice of the Father are going to be hearing the voice of those that lie. That's Satan. As a little boy, I was six years old. My mother and my father decided to get divorced. And a lot of it was my dad was uh, unfaithful to my mother. He was also very abusive Uh, verbally. He never hit her, but I seen him put a lot of holes in walls and bust the door. And when I um, was two years old, I remember I'm breaking a door right down the center. And my, my mother, who was locked behind that door, said, you busted the door. And he said, no, I didn't look down at me at two and said, did I? I'm two. I said, nope. Dad didn't do it. He didn't do it. He just leaned his elbow on it like he said, and that's what he did. But mom decided to get a divorce, and we went. And we stayed at my grandfather's house. And I, and I don't know, a lot of you wouldn't know this, but we lived in Michigan in the Upper Peninsula, and it's pretty cold. So when you go to sleep, you had all this warm clothes. I even had a nightcap. You ever see those when you watch the nightcap? You know, and it sort of hung down. And I slept in that. And I was coming down the stairs to, to breakfast, and all of a sudden I seen a figure up at the top of the stairs laughing. And I did not know what it was. Until I got older and then I realized that it was Satan laughing at the things that he had done. Because he had broken up my family. But he's always poking at me. And I didn't understand why until I got my patriarchal blessing. And when I got my patriarchal blessing, I was told that Satan and I were old foes. That at the time of the war in heaven, I had a choice. I could go with Satan or I could stay with the Heavenly Father. That I had many friends that went with Satan. And I use the word friends loosely because I don't know how that goes in the spiritual world, but that's how we sort of understand that. And I was told that the time had come that I had to choose. And that I chose the Father and His Son over Satan. And because I had made this choice, that's where I was at that time in my life that I was there. So he tries to poke at me. And I remember a a testimony from uh, Bill Davies, Patriarch Bill Davies, and he said there was a time that he was bothered constantly, and he was wondering, what's going on? And he prayed, and he asked the Father, can I see what is bothering me, what is coming over me? And the Lord opened his eyes in his home that he could see all those minions and those angels of Satan. And they filled elbow to elbow his whole yard and beyond where he could not see. And he could not believe there were so many there that were poking at him. But when he walked into his house, because the Lord's Spirit was there, they could not follow. That was his sanctuary. That's where he could go. And Satan is always trying to poke at us. He knows all of our buttons. He knows where you are most vulnerable. He's always trying to make it so that you will fall away. He's using every means possible to destroy your faith. His angels will constantly put stumbling blocks in your path. And the only thing that can protect you from those stumbling blocks is God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit in your life. It is important that you know your Scriptures so that you won't be deceived. That you hold fast to the rod of iron. If we as a people could do that without letting in the ways of the world, we would be one. And Zion would be However, too many have allowed the stumbling blocks laid before us to impede our progress. How many times has the Lord stretched out His hand and His people would not take it? Not too long ago, about a month ago, I went and I heard a sermon at the Stone Church. It was almost the one that I gave 20 years ago. Why are we so slow to answer the call? The people of God seem never to learn. Let's go to Helaman. Let's go to the fifth chapter of Helaman. And we're going to read 125 to 128. But it came to pass in the ninety and ninth year of the reign of the judges, there were great signs given unto the people and wonders, and the words of the prophets began to be fulfilled. And angels did appear unto men, wise men, and to declare unto them glad tidings of great joy. Thus in this year the scriptures began to be fulfilled. Nevertheless, the people began to harden their hearts, all save it were the most believing part of them, both of the Nephites and also of the Lamanites and began to depend upon their own strength and upon their own wisdom, saying, Some things they may have guessed right among so many, but behold, we know that all those things and marvelous works cannot come to pass of which have been spoken. So they're given all these marvelous things. Things happen. They're given all types of things to see, all these marvelous works, people being healed. All these things are happening, and I say that just because I'm, I'm conjecturing now that these things are going on, because I've seen them happen. So all these marvelous things happen among them, and yet they say, well, you know, they guessed at it. You know, they got a few of them right. That's okay. You know, but we, we know this all can't happen. It's not going to. Well, I'm going to tell you what. It seems like at reunions, and we talked about that a little bit in class, At reunions, we always seem to come prepared and look forward to hearing the Word of God. We look forward to it because we're almost sure something's going to happen at reunion. We're almost sure. Why are we not that way when we walk in on a Sunday? Thinking that the Spirit of the Lord is going to come and going to speak to us and bring to us those things that we need to hear that will uplift ourselves that the Lord will uplift us to a point that we can come close to Him and that we can share one with another. I've got many testimonies. From the time I was little, and I shared that one with you, to, to now. Many testimonies. I'll share a couple of them with you as we move along. Most of them did happen at reunion. But we let the world in a lot of times in our lives, and when we let the world in, it interferes, it interferes with our walk. We don't keep a prayer on our lips and a song of God in our hearts to keep the temptations of Satan at bay. That's what we are told to do. We're told to keep a prayer in our hearts constantly. To constantly keep God in our mind. You know, if you kept God in your mind every day, and Christ in your mind every day, the chances are a lot of those things that we slip up and do wouldn't happen. And I know, because anybody that knows me knows I'm a sailor. That's why I asked for that song that we had at the beginning. The Lower Lights. And the reason I asked for that song is because I know that we are called to be a light unto the world, just as Christ is a light unto the world. That's what we're called to. And if anybody ever knows about what the lower lights are, you know, God's supposed to be the uh, lighthouse. The lower lights are the lights that are down on the bottom of the shore. And they would light those lights because if the ship went down, the sailors would be able to see at eye level where those lights were and swim towards them. That's what the lower lights are. That's what they're for. And I look at us as being the lower lights. We're the light that's there so that people that are looking to be saved, to come closer to Christ, are looking at those lower lights, which is us. We're supposed to be that light unto the world and our neighbors and our friends and all those that are there. We're supposed to bring that message of the Lord Jesus Christ to all those people. Now, I'm not talking about the guy that used to walk through school, and we all know who he was, carrying a Bible and something like us constantly. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, how He has helped you in your life, how He has been with you when you've gone through tragedies and the things that happen in your life. I'm talking about that saint that goes to the neighbor and notices that they need help shoveling the snow, and he just goes over, or she, goes over and helps shovel the snow. I did that with one of my neighbors. He says, you don't have to do that. And I just kept shoveling. I didn't say nothing. That's what we're called to do. It doesn't mean that we have to be over there and push in what we believe. Because you know why? Because Christ makes us that light, and before you know it, they're going to ask us, why are you the way you are? Why are you coming over to help me? You know that that couple, that group that was over there next to us, and I went over and helped shovel? They had a ferret used to come over over to the house all the time. I don't know why he always came over to our house. I would just pick him up and carry him and put him back over there with the friends, right? When that group of people left that house, because they were renting, when they left that house, they came up to the landlord and they said, the only neighbor in this neighborhood that helped us and cared for us was that one over there, and that was us. See, we don't know how we affect people until later down the road. We don't know how we affect people. Little tiny things that we do, knowing that they had a loved one that passed away and you brought them over a dish, knowing that their lawnmower broke down, you bring yours over, Loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what the scriptures say. That's important. That love that we have. When that little one died after three days, and I don't know why it affected me, I just bawled. I wasn't even there, I never even saw him. But I bawled and I cried. And I said, I don't know why I'm crying. Why am I crying? I mean, I cried so hard that the tears fell on the floor and made a puddle. That's how hard I cried. And I was talking to Joe. He had called me and said, I was praying for your sermon. And I shared with him what happened. And then I said, and it dawned on me, really, at that moment, that the love of family made me weep like that. Because it was family. The love of family. But do you think that that love that I had for them is greater than the one that the Lord has for you? Far beyond. My love was minuscule compared to how the Lord loves you. He loves you so much that He's called you into this church. Both member and priesthood. All of us. No matter who we are. There's a reason we're here. And I've seen so many of my friends go away from the church. My generation, there's few left. My generation was the one that grew up around the Vietnam War. I know, I don't look that old, do I? But we're the generation that grew up around the Vietnam War. And I remember sitting there and having testimonies and sharing one with another, scriptures and doing things... And those guys that had those great testimonies, as I did, they don't go to church anymore. Very few. Very few. And it's a sad thing. And they say, Russ, what kept you from doing the same thing? Not going to church. And I told them, you will never drag me out of Christ's church. I don't care what you do to me, how you beat on me, what you say to me. Anything that you do to me is not going to happen. I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ to my dying day and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, which is to serve to the end. It's not going to happen. I don't let those petty little things happen. There are times that sometimes things are said and we get upset, and I've seen so many walk out over something small. When if they could have just reconciled one with another, I'm going to tell you what, The testimonies that we have within this church and the things that are here are so marvelous. How could you let somebody run you out of Christ's church? I don't understand that. Not at all. And I'm going to tell you, have you ever been a pastor? There's been many a times I've accused of things and I just swallowed it. And I never did it. It might have been somebody else, I don't know. But I swallowed it. Most pastors do. And the reason that they do is because of the love of the congregation that the Lord has put them in charge of. And they care about them. And they're willing to reconcile and to do anything that those people need. They're willing to do that. They're willing to sacrifice whatever they have to sacrifice. It doesn't matter if it's their dignity or what it is. They're going to give whatever. And the priesthood is all that way. It should be. Because you come first, we are servants. That's what we are, and because we are servants, we're willing to do things. And I'm not saying this to boast of us. I'm just not. But I had a pastor that uh, up in Michigan. We go up there in the summers, and the doctors told him he was going to die. He had cancer. He says you're going to die. You got three days. I happened to be in Michigan we turned around drove 16 hours out of our way went up there and we and I administered to him and the Lord healed him he came back to the congregation in michigan and he's still the pastor there that's important you got to be willing to get up and do something what do they always say you you know you always you talk a good game, but you know it's what you do. You know? It's what you do. Most people look at me, and people that really know me think I'm a bull in a china shop because I'm pretty hard headed and do things. But I'm really not. I just do my best to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in the best way that I can. And I pray that the Spirit's with me when I'm speaking or trying to bring His Word to the people that He wants me to bring it to. Let's go to Deuteronomy, the 6th chapter of Deuteronomy. And I'm going to read 4-15 through 15 of the 6th chapter of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as uh, frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not. And wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt shalt swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord, thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. If you really read that and really take it into your heart, you can tell the lord 's talking to us just like He was talking to them, because there's so many gods out there, you know we had i heard I heard uh, somebody talk about. Well, he did... Okay, When he talked about that car that he wanted to have, there's a God right there, because you worship those things, you know, you worship those things. And sometimes we do. sometimes we need a car, you know so we go and get the car. We've got to have a car, you know. I mean, that's just the truth of it. But sometimes we want what our neighbor has, because that's a nice car. Or, I love that truck. You know, and sometimes we want that. But sometimes there are just idols there that we tend to go after instead of our Heavenly Father. You know? Sometimes we go and get things because we want to get them, not because it's necessary. It's It's not wrong to have a nice car. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you get to the point to where you worship that car more than you worship God, then you've got a problem. Okay? When you want that more than you want to serve God. If we obey our commandment, what it says, we can overcome for the Lord is with us. I don't know how anybody goes through all the things that are going on in this world and survives without the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. You know how tough that has to be? I mean, things are tough enough for us, we think, you know. But just imagine that person that does not have Christ in their life and all of a sudden they have a tragedy like they lose a little one. How hard that would be. I know my wife, who is substituting and she's doing, uh, she's doing a full-time sub right now, they had a family that died. Mom, dad, and all the kids in a fire. All of them. And they were going. They were going through all the. They had all the counselors in the school and everything because it was so hard. And I remember those teachers. They were Carol shared with me the testimony that those teachers were really having a hard time, and they shared with her what happened. And she says, "I don't know if this is going to bother you or not, but I got to pray." And she went down on her knees right in front of those teachers in a public school, and she prayed. Those teachers were so overcome. They just wept. It's not what you say. It's what you do. It's important for us to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is always there to help us, to get us through all those hard times, to get us through all those things, that we have to overcome, that Satan just puts in front of us constantly. He just puts them there. And like I said, he knows your buttons. He knows what to do. He'll do anything to entice you to the ways of the world, to entangle you in petty strife, to go after you with everything he can. And sometimes he uses family and sometimes friends and sometimes neighbors and co-workers. And sometimes they don't even know it. Because you might just be having a bad day and they'll say something and you'll take it wrong. And Satan knows you will. He knows that button. He'll push it. Him and I have been foes for a long time. So how do we get through this? How do we get through the unbearable times? Love. Love of God, love of family, love of your neighbor, friends. But here's the hard one love of your enemies, those who would despitefully use you and persecute you. I remember my granddaughter was baptized. After she was baptized, my grandson says, I want to be baptized. He wasn't eight yet, but he was seven. And I says, well, then all those kids at school that you're having a hard time with, that you don't like, your enemies, you have to love them and care about them. Oh, but Grandpa, that's so hard. But that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do, aren't we? We're called to love those that don't love us. God does. God loves all of them. He cares about all of them. Let's go to Luke, the sixth chapter. And we're going to read verse 35 of the sixth chapter. This is what it says in verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the the highest. For He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. He calls us unto perfection. He calls us to be those people that most people don't understand. Those that would be kind to those that are unthankful. Those that would be kind to the one that smacks you on your cheek and he tells you to turn the other cheek. That's what we're called to do. This is how we overcome. We love. We have that love of Christ within our lives. And when we went into that water of baptism, that's what we were told to do. To serve Him to the end and to love all people. Just as God loved all people. And Christ loved all people. That's how we overcome. We know our Scriptures. We do those things for our neighbors that we need to do. We love one another. We love family. We love friends. We love our enemy. doesn't mean we have to like what they do. But we love them because they are a person that the Lord loves. That's why. And if we do this, if we do this, we come close to the kingdom. That's what's important. That's what he calls us to do. Well, as usual, I've got two or three pages to go, and my time is gone. I thank you for listening to me, for coming today for serving your Heavenly Father in the manner that you do. Always remember to keep Him in your heart. Love the Lord thy God with all thy might, mind, and strength is my prayer. Amen.
4: gracious and loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your great and immense love, for Your power and Thy Holy Spirit. Lord, I have seen Your image and light and the countenance of These are your people. Lord, we know that you dwell within us. And when we love you, that light shines from us to others. And we know that darkness flees from that light. Father, we are so appreciative of your tender mercy And that you dwell within us. And you've given us this great gift of agency. And we choose you, Lord. Even though we stumble, we thank you for your patience. And we ask that you would continue to teach us how to love as Christ loves us. We're thankful for the reminders that were given to us this morning and the opportunity before us this week to share that love and that light with all those that we meet. Lord, help us to always keep our full faith and trust in Thee and Thee alone, knowing that um, there is nothing that is too great for us to overcome with your support and power. Father, we thank you and praise you and ask that you would go before us and we seek your will in all things and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.